Open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6. In this passage that we look at today, great comfort is found for the people of God as it sets forth in a very clear way the fact of how the believer in Christ is kept by God and that no weapon that is formed against them shall prosper. Now we know that in this world, the enemies of Christ are everywhere. And we know that from our Master's own words, that they hate Him, and we should not marvel that they hate us. Scripture declares, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. These are the words of our Savior. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you, it's God has chosen us, out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. Because they know not him that sent me. John 15 verses 18 to 21. So we see and hear from the words of the master that the enmity that the world has towards us is really directed at Christ, beloved. It's really directed at Christ. He says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. They cannot get to Christ our King, beloved. They can't get to Him. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He finished the work of our salvation. He's enthroned in glory, so they persecute the people of God while we're here on this earth. Let's read verses 8 to 10 of 2 Kings chapter 6. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my king. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. So the king of Syria proclaimed war against the king of Israel and took counsel with his generals, and now they had encamped in a place, and they were waiting in ambush. They wanted to ambush the king of Israel. They were waiting for him to pass by unawares, and then they would fall upon him, and they would destroy him. And we see then that the man of God, Elijah, warned the king of Israel, and we see the king delivered from his foes. Delivered from his foes. 
So we see the king of Syria's plans thwarted by the prophet Elijah, but really we know that his plans are thwarted by our almighty God. Have you ever thought of how many times our great God has delivered us from our spiritual foes? From people who would come up against us? I've seen it time and time and time again in my life. It's incredible. But there's a lot of times that I probably haven't seen it either. Countless amount of times. How many times has the Lord restrained us from sin? Have you ever thought of that? How many times would, would we have, in our natural state, went headlong into sin? And He's restrained us by His grace. I don't think we're ever going to be able to count the numbers of those times. <laughs> but He has, beloved. He restrains His people by His grace. When you contemplate these great truths, it'll make you shout for joy. Because left to ourselves, we just go headlong right into it. But he watches over his people, beloved. He protects us. He restrains us. Oh, for the match, give praise for the matchless grace of God, which we have received in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is it saving grace, it's restraining grace and it's keeping grace. (laughs) Oh, it's wonderful. There are numberless times when we are unaware, unconscious of our Lord delivering us from our spiritual foes. But never forget that our Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He does not change. And he delivers us, beloved, time and time and time again. And oftentimes we are totally unaware. But there's times when we're made aware, isn't it? There's times when we're made aware. Oh, yeah. There's times when we're made aware. And we give him all the glory and honor and praise. And it's all by His power and might that we're delivered. And He gives us grace and strength during times of struggle, trials, and tribulations, doesn't He? All through our lives. Let's read verses 11 to 14 where we see that next that the king of Syria cannot get his hands on the king of Israel, so he turns his attention to the king's servant, Elijah. Elijah, who is a man of God, And what a picture we have here of our spiritual enemies. They cannot get their hands on our king, so they turn their attention on God's people. Those who are here on earth. Verse 11, Therefore the the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, none, my lord, O king. But Elijah, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, go and spy where he is, 
that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothran. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. Sent his army. And they came by night and compassed the city about. Note in verse 11, we see revealed one of the traits of unbelief and it's suspicion. The king of Israel thinks because his plans were thwarted that there must be a spy in his midst. Look what he says. Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He thinks there must be a spy in their midst. One who's for the king of Israel. And he's totally unaware that it's God Almighty who has thwarted his, his evil plan against the king of Israel. He's totally unaware. The king of Syria, not, not being able to fall upon and destroy the king of Israel, now sets his sights upon the prophet of God, Elisha. Thinking that he might secure him with chariots and horses, he's expecting to take him captive by sending a mighty army. By sending a mighty army, a mighty host. And what folly it is for man to fight against those who are God's people. What folly it is. What folly there is. They will find out quickly that they're not fighting against the people of God. They're fighting against he who is the most high. And he always, always, always protects his people. Always. And we will see the mad attempts of the king of Syria to take the prophet. This sets forth the bitterness of the carnal mind against God and against his servants. In all ages, beloved, there's nothing new under the sun. Man has not changed. Natural man still hates God, even if they, they, they might not say, well, I hate God, but in their actions and in their thoughts and in the sinfulness of who we are in our natural state, they're shaking their fist at God Almighty. And man has not changed. It's still the same today. Look at verse 12. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words thou speakest in thy bedchamber. So we see that the accusation is against his own people. The king of Syria, again, thinks that there's a Spy amongst his myths, but one of his servants says, No. Thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Well, who knows everything? To who is every one of our thoughts laid bare? That's a that's a sobering thought, isn't it? Even as believers. To who is every one of our thoughts laid bare? To who is every one of the attentions of our heart laid bare? God knew what he said in his bedchamber. 
God revealed that to Elisha. God knows the thoughts, the intents of what's in the heart of every man. Saved and lost. Nothing, absolutely nothing is hid from our great God. Nothing. He knows all things. He knows our thoughts. He knows our words before they're even on our tongue. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Our great God knew the thoughts and intents of the king of Syria. While he was awake, while he was in his bedchamber, he knew all his thoughts while he was dreaming and while he was awake. Everything was laid bare before the Lord, and everything still is laid bare before the Lord. And Elijah was made aware of the intent of the king of Syria by God, and the king of Syria's plan was thwarted. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. For the word of God, the scriptures, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. It cuts where nothing else can cut. And of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of what? The thoughts and intents of the hearts. Everything's laid bare before our great God. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Nothing escapes his eye. Nothing. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He is absolutely sovereign. This is the God of the Bible. That's the God of the Bible. And so it's he who thwarted the plans of the king of Syria. It's he who did that. He revealed the, he revealed the intent of the king of Syria to Elijah. And Elijah therefore warned the king of Israel. And the king of Syria's plans were thwarted. But the king of Syria didn't have a clue. He was an unbeliever. He thought there's a spy. Well, it must be a spy in my midst. <laughs> oh, my. What folly when a man thinks that he can battle God. Oh, my. Now, it's not comfortable for even we who are believers to think that nothing about us is hid from God. Because we know we're still sinners. But what great comfort for the believer in Christ. Here comes the balm of Gilead. What comfort for the believer in Christ, though, to know that all our sins in thought, word, and deed are washed in the precious blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we say as a result of that? Praise his mighty name. Praise his mighty name. What a Savior. What a Savior we have. Now let's read verses 13 and 14 again, and we see that the king sends his armies, and they've surrounded the city of Dothran for one man, for one man, for one man. The king, in his blind rage, believes if he can destroy Elijah, then he will put an end to the people of God. 
Look, it says in verse 13 and 14, And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothran. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. So now take note, the Syrian army has come and surrounded the whole city. They've surrounded the whole city. Under the, under the cover of darkness they did this. Under the cloak of darkness. They've come and surrounded the whole city. And it's all at the, all at the command of the king of Syria. The king of Syria can't kill the ki- king of Israel. So now he seeks to kill the messenger. Now he seeks to kill the messenger. And he's taken his great host and he's surrounded the city. He's surrounded the city. And in verse 15, next we see that Elijah's servant, unaware of the situation, is going about his day. He's, he's going about his, he, he don't have no idea. He's going about, going about to do his stuff, whatever he does every day probably. He's in for shock, isn't he? He's in for a shock, beloved. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, verse 15, and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? <laughs> oh, my. He runs to his master and he cries, what shall we do? How are we going to get out of this mess? <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. Oh, my. Yeah. To him, it was impossible. He's looking at this whole host. Could you imagine that? This whole army's circled the whole city, and they're probably riding around in their chariots, more than likely, or they're just sitting there, but these guys are, they're, they're fully arrayed in battle gear. They're ready to go. And at the king's command, they would go in and destroy the city, wouldn't they? Oh, but uh, there's more to the story. <laughs> there's more to what we're going to look at here. And we see here that the servant, even though he was around the spiritual man, a prophet of God, and he, and he saw many things, we'll see that what he didn't see. What he didn't see. Look at Elijah's answer to his servant in verse 16. He just calmly tells him, he just calmly answers his servant, that there are more with us than against them. And he answered, fear not, for, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. <laughs> Imagine the surprise of the servant, because all he could see was this army around the city. That's all he could see. So imagine his surprise at the words of Elijah. What? Could you imagine seeing him? He'd be like, what? There's more for us than there are for them? <laughs> all I see is this army. All I see is this army before me. 
Imagine again the surprise of the servant. He was looking at the physical, beloved. He was looking at the physical. And Elijah was speaking of the spiritual. Oh, my. Because we know the truth of the Scriptures. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us. They may kill the body, right? But they can't take the soul, can they? If God be for us, who can be against us, beloved? There are some among us here who hear the gospel and yet they do not see Christ. But our prayer is that God would open your eyes. That God would open your eyes to behold Christ. To behold our blessed Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. And that you would hear his voice through the word of God. That's our desire. That you would hear the word of God preached and proclaimed not as man's words, but as God's words. But as God's words. Oh, and that the Holy Spirit would regenerate you and reveal Christ to you. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We'll read verses 13 to 15. And then we'll go back to 2 Kings. Matthew chapter 13, verses 13 to 15. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not. In hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear, and ye shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, that I shall, should heal them. Now go back to 2 Kings chapter 6 and look at verse 17. Here we see the prayer of Elijah. And this, the name of this message is a prayer for opened eyes. We pray that God would open your eyes, beloved. Or, that, or if, you, if you don't know Christ. He's opened our eyes who, who are the people of God. But we pray if you don't know Christ that that he'd open your eyes. And even we as believers, we pray that our eyes would be opened up more to see the wondrous things of Christ. To see his almighty power at work. As he reveals himself more and more to us in Scripture. Look at verse 17. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I, I pray that you open his eyes. Open his eyes. That he may see. Oh, what a prayer. And this is a prayer that God's people, we pray for our family and our friends and people that we meet. Oh, Lord, open their eyes that they may see. Open their eyes that they may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was 
full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. So we see here in our text and the circumstance before us, the king of Syria was after the prophet Elijah. And let us remember that we have an adversary, beloved. We have an adversary who is the enemy of our souls. Seeks to destroy us. But the believer is encamped and shielded round about by our great God. And it is he who keeps us and holds us in his everlasting arms and protects us. Now take note again that Elijah reckons his servant's natural sight is no sight at all. In contrast to true sight, being that which sees the invisible and trusts our great God, who we cannot see with our physical eyes, but we see him with the eyes of faith, don't we? We behold him with the eyes of faith. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verses 24 to 29. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Some say that Moses may have been in line to become Pharaoh. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured to seeing him who is invisible. Look at that. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by a dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. Then look at verses 1 to 3 of the same chapter. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we saw that which we hoped for, it's no longer hope. Because we're looking at it. But we, we hope one day to see our Lord, right? And we will, face to face. We have a hope within us now that we didn't have before in our natural state. Our faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. We understand that now. We've had that revealed to us that Christ has spoke this world into existence. And we believe it. We believe it, don't we? We take God at his word. <laughs> yeah. We didn't before, but now we do. So that the things which were seen were not made of the things which do appear. Look at that. So the things which were seen were made 
of things which do were, were not made of things which do appear. Our great God spoke all of this into existence. Now we can't see him, can we? But by faith we do. We trust and rest in him. Yeah, faith is the evidence, uh, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We just trust our Lord. We trust our Lord. Now those who have a natural sight of religion, they wish the church well, they they lend a hand when needed, and they're, they see enough to perceive that they're in great danger from a great enemy, but yet seeing, they, they see not. They don't see. They're like this young servant. And we see the prayer of God's people in verse 17. For those we know, for, for those who sit under the sound of the gospel and have no eyes to see Christ, we pray that they would see the enemy of their souls in his many disguises. He goes around like a roaring lion. He's like a serpent. He's very subtle. In his ministers, his preachers, they appear as angels of light. What do they do? They tell people what you got to do. Oh, my. You got to do this or you got to do that to be saved. Do not be deceived, beloved, by them and by the pleasures of the world, the riches of this world, the lying tongue, which tells you this too. You got lots of time. You got lots of time. Wait until tomorrow, they say. Well, what happens if tomorrow never comes? The scriptures declare, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Right now. In our prayer, we who are the born again people of God, our prayer, if you do not know Christ, is that, is that God would open your eyes. Oh, that he open your eyes. And that you behold he who is the one who holds all things visible and invisible, all by the word of his power. Oh, that's our prayer. Let's read verse 17 again. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes, Lord. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about. Again, we pray, Lord, open the eyes of your lost sheep. Open the eyes of your lost sheep. To see that you, Lord, are the only way of salvation. That it's only through thee, Lord. Open their eyes. Open the eyes of your lost sheep that they may see that you, Lord, are the only appointed Savior of sinners. There's no other way. No other way. And there's no seeing Christ but by his own light. And we who are born again of the Spirit of God, we behold He who is the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. We look to Him, don't we? We look to Him alone for our salvation. And we pray, sinner friend, that God would open your eyes. That God would open your eyes to see Christ. Just as He's done for us. That you would see your desperate need for Him just as he's done for we who are the people of God. 
And it takes spiritual eyes to see spiritual truth, doesn't it? Carnal men look at things carnally. Before anyone can grasp, see, understand spiritual things, they must be born again. They must be. And only God can give you sight to see Christ. This is what every believer testifies. It's God that gave me sight. It's God that, that, that gave me faith to behold Christ. In Him alone. So we see in our text, in verse 17, that Elijah prays that his servant's eyes would be opened. And again, this is not speaking to natural eyes. Because he's already with his natural eyes seeing this great host that's against them. No, this is speaking of the eyes of faith and of his mind. And when his eyes were opened, he saw that he and Elijah were surrounded by an impenetrable angelic wall, chariots of fire. like those that had taken Elijah to heaven. And the Lord opened, look at this in the text, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. He must have almost fell down. Could you imagine that? You see this great host of an army encamped round about, surrounded the whole city, and all of a sudden your eyes are open to to what Elijah says, there's more for us. There's more for us. And remember, remember this. One angel killed over 100,000 men. One. Oh, my. There's more for them than there is against them, isn't there? There's a lot more. The horses and chariots of fire were around about Elijah, but the young man could not see them. There are spiritual horses, chariots, angelic beings belonging to a spiritual domain, beloved. They were there when he first looked. Don't forget that, too. They were there when he first looked. And all he saw was the Syrian host, because at that time he didn't have eyes to see, did he? Oh my, do you see why Elijah just calmly said there's more for us than there is against us? And Lord, open their eyes should be the prayer, our prayer for our lost loved ones, our friends, our fellow men and women. Oh Lord, please open their eyes to see you. So could you imagine the joy and the peace that flooded this young man's soul? when he saw that great host, God gave him spiritual eyes to behold the the great angelic host which protected them. And our prayer again is like Elijah. And take note that he did not tell the young man what he had to do. Take note of that too. He didn't tell the young man what he had to do. Because The young man couldn't see. He is blind. He is blind. But he prayed that God would open his eyes. Do you see the parallel there? 
dead man can't come to Christ unless they're made alive. Blind man can't see Christ unless they're given eyes to see Christ. And Elijah prays that God would open his eyes and behold the great angelic host before them. Beloved of God, we who are God's people cannot give spiritual sight to anyone, can we? We can't. But we pray that God would open the eyes of his lost sheep. That he would do a mighty work. That he would give them sight to behold the Lamb of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, just as he's given us sight to behold Christ. And never forget, it's God who's done this for us. It's God who's done this for us. Who made you to differ? God. And what do you receive that, what, what do you have that you, that you didn't receive? Nothing. <laughs> the only thing we can lay claim to is our sin. Because that's ours, eh? But the grace and mercy that we've received in and through Christ, the faith, the repentance before God is a gift from God. It's a gift from Him. And God the Holy Spirit reveals, reveals Christ to sinners of His own choosing. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. God the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to sinners of God's own choosing. And then he teaches us the things of Christ. He reveals the deep things of God to us. And then we marvel. We marvel that we know these truths. We marvel that we've received the Spirit of God. We marvel that Christ is our Savior. We marvel at what he's done for us. And you know, we will not stop marveling. Even when we get to eternity. We'll be praising his name forever, beloved. Forever with all the blood-washed saints of God. And do you, know, do you know that we can't even fathom what's waiting for us? Do you know that? We can't even, in our, in our wildest thoughts, we can't even fathom what's waiting for us in glory. And you know what? Heaven wouldn't be heaven without Christ, eh? And he's the one we're going to be seeing. He's the one we're going to be, we're going to be enamored with, with, with our bridegroom with the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Oh my, look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 13. But it is written, I hath not seen, I hath not seen, nor ear, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now remember, Paul was caught up in the third heaven. He couldn't even utter what he saw. Could he? Look what he pens here. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, the things, nor, nor entered into the heart of men the things which God had prepared for them that love him. And we know that we love him because why? He first loved us. That's right. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, 
For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Everything we know about Christ, we've been taught. It's been revealed to us. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. It's he who teaches us these things. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You must be born again. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Again, it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us. So, beloved, only by, the, by God's power can a man or woman be made to see Christ. Only by the power of God. We're all born blind to the things of God. Natural man thinks he can... See, saying, well, well, how many times have you heard this? Well, I'm a good person. Well, if, if I'm comparing myself to someone else, right? Brother Henry used to say, if one worm's comparing himself with another worm, he can think he looks pretty good. But you compare yourself to Christ, and oh my, he's the perfect man. We're sinners from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And he's absolutely perfect, sinless. So these folks who say, I'm a good person, well, they don't know. I used to say that myself. I'm not being condescending because I used to say it all the time. And I used to be one of them guys that would point, there was a young guy down the road and we would always, oh, that guy, man, that Charlie, boy, he gets in trouble so much. Meanwhile, we're just as bad as him. Oh my gosh. So we who are God's people do not speak of these things in a condescending way because we were once blind. We were once blind. But now we see. Now we see Christ. We were once lost, weren't we? We were wandering around. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. And who found us? Who found us? We didn't didn't find the Lord. He found us. We weren't even looking for it. And he found us. We were the lost sheep. And he's the great shepherd. And the great shepherd seeks his sheep, don't he? Praise God he does, because none of us would ever come to him. Oh, but he comes and he gets his sheep, puts them on his shoulders. Oh, you must be born again. You must be born again. Oh, we're lost, but he's... Now we're, we're found in Christ. We were once lost, but now we're found. Oh, my. And our prayer is, if you do not know Christ, oh, Lord, give them eyes to see thee. Give them eyes to see thee. Let's go back to our text in 2 Kings, verses 18 to 23. We'll read the last portion of verses here, 18 to 23. And when they came down to him, Elijah prayed, now they started, they started forward, the armies, the host started forward towards them. When they came down to him, Elijah prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them, the Lord smote them, with blindness, according to the word of Elijah. He smote them with blindness. You see the power of God at work, don't we? 
And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were come into Samaria, that Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men. See, Elijah's not saying, well, you know, pray this prayer, and now your eyes are opened, is he? No, he's not saying anything like that, no. He said, Lord, open their eyes. Open their eyes of men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elijah, when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? So he says, would you, if you captured a bunch of prisoners, would you, would you just kill them? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go, their, their, go to their master. And he prepared great provisions for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Well, we see here at the end of this verse, justice tempered with mercy, don't we? Oh my. Elijah asked the Lord to blind the, army, the eyes of the army of Syria, and the Lord did it. Then Elijah spoke to them. It's Elijah who said that, spoke to them and said, this is not the way, neither is the city. Follow me. They're blind. Oh, they're going to follow Elijah. They're going to follow Elijah. They did not know it was Elijah. And he told them they were headed the wrong way. Imagine if you're blind and you're, you're trying to find your way around. Someone says, come on, this way. Well, you'd follow their voice, wouldn't you? One second they can see, and now they're blind. as They can't see nothing. They can't see anything. And Elijah said, you're headed the wrong way. He told them, the man you seek is, is not here, but follow me and I'll lead you to him. And Elijah took them to the midst of the camp of Israel, and then the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw the army of Israel, but not the heavenly host which had protected Elijah, because the heavenly host was not theirs to see. The king of Israel thought they would, that Elijah had delivered them, that he might slay them. But he showed respect for Elijah, he said, Father, and asked if he should kill this army, who is his sworn enemy. And Elijah said, don't kill them. Make a feast for them and send them home. Send them home. So what a gospel lesson is brought forth here at the end of this portion of Scripture. It's Jesus who brings his enemies, his lost sheep, right? Because the Scripture says we were enemies with God in our minds. He brings us under his power. Under his power. And then he opens our eyes. And then he opens our eyes, beloved. And we see how the Lord has surrounded us. We are hemmed in to Christ, aren't we? We have no other way to go. No other place to go. And what do we do? We bow our knees, we drop our weapons, and we proclaim the Lord is our King. Because we're born again of the Holy Spirit of God. It's He who's drawn us right to Him. So how graciously does the Lord then feed His people? And what great, what great and gracious provisions he, he provides for us all while we journey through this world. It's incredible. God's grace is truly amazing grace. Truly amazing grace. What a Savior. What a Savior. 
And it's the Lord who makes his people willing in the day of his power. And wonders of wonders, wonder of wonders, this man, Jesus, receiveth sinners. He receives sinners. Oh, may God make you willing to flee to him. And God's people say, praise his mighty name. Praise his mighty name. Heavenly Father, again we thank thee for allowing us to gather together and look into thy word, O Lord. O Lord, we know that you are ever protecting your people, watching over us, guiding us, directing us, leading us in the way that you would desire us to go. Help us, Lord, just to trust you. Help us not to lean on the arm of the flesh. But help us, Lord, just to lean upon thee. Guide and direct us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.